I'm Mark Miller from OWASP 24-7. In today's episode, I speak with the team who discovered and reported the vulnerability in the SPRING framework. At the heart of the discussion, what is responsible disclosure? What is the process a research team takes after they discover a vulnerability? Stay with us. Welcome to OWASP 24-7, sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide. Baz, I saw your article come out on the LGTM site about the CVE 2017-8046 that talks about pivotal spring projects and the problems that are going on there. Can you talk a little bit about how you discovered uh, the problem with spring? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so the way uh, we, we generally work is that um, the, the, the core analysis technology that we've developed here at SEML is, is free to use uh, for all the open source projects out there on, on LGTM.com, the, what you refer to. And that's where we uh, really analyze about 55,000 projects uh, on a continuous basis. So we have analysis results for all of these projects and about these, these results are publicly available to, to all, of, uh, all of the visitors of LGTM.com. So that's about 55,000 projects with more than 300,000 developers uh, on, a, on a sort of commit by commit basis. Um, I should probably point out at this stage for your listeners who are not familiar with the term LGTM. It stands for look, it looks good to me, which is a, a common phrase used in, in, in the code review process. Now, LGTM uh, and our analysis technology considers code as, as data. So all of the findings that we publish on LGTM.com, including security vulnerabilities, um, these are the results of running queries against that data. So where um, you would sort of run a normal uh, a SQL query against a SQL database, you run a, a QL query against a code database. Um, and LGTM has many standard queries in it that uh, people can use straight out of the box with results they can use straight out of the box, for example, with, with a pull request integration. Uh, but any developer can also write their own queries to find particular patterns in their code. Now, our security team uh, constantly work with the, with the community to write new queries to find patterns that are security vulnerabilities. So you write a query, and the query results are, are locations in the code where a certain uh, uh, pattern uh, is, is, is found that could be a security vulnerability. Now, this has led to um, about, I think, 20 uh, CVEs in the last six months, and that's how we how we generally find our security vulnerabilities by, by writing queries. And these CVEs um, are mostly in large and well-known open source projects that we've worked with. So back in August, we disclosed a, a critical remote code execution vulnerability in Apache Struts, which was uh, in the same week as Equifax uh, announced uh, their data breach um, by pure accident, pure coincidence because that was a, a different Apache Struts vulnerability. Um, and uh, the most recent announcement that you referred to, uh, Mark, was 
um, found by my colleague Mo uh, back in September in the spring data rest component. Um, again, an easily exploitable uh, remote code execution vulnerability that affects any, um, any piece of code that is built on top of spring data rest. Mo, when you found this vulnerability, um, what's the process then for you after finding something like this? Yeah, so uh, as Bart explained, we, have, um, we, we are treating uh, code as a database and we have uh, our own um, uh, specific language called QL that is a bit like SQL that allows us to query this database. So the process of finding it is um, uh, very much like what you do when you, uh, when you try to um, analyze some data uh, using SQL. So at first, I was interested in um, this type of vulnerability called uh, expression language injection. Now, expression language is um, a type of scripting language that is used in Java. A lot of the times they pass as a piece of string and, and then get passed in Java code and executed. So uh, because they're fairly powerful language, um, you have to be quite sure that uh, you secure these um, endpoints of uh, expression language. So I started looking in for um, places that um, uses and passes these um, uh, expression language. Uh, I got quite a few results. So I decided to uh, refine my query a bit further by adding some context information, for example, um, taking uh, some hints from Java docket or, or um, the, the name of functions to see whether they might be using a sensitive uh, uh, function course. And then after that, I got uh, a few results so or, um, I could uh, manually inspect them and, uh, and quite quickly discover this result in Spring Data Rest. How do you approach the team that actually wrote? How did you approach Pivotal to say, hey, we found something? Um, so what we generally do is um, uh, try to find the security contact for, uh, for such teams. Many large open source projects have a, have a, have a, a procedure that they publicly announce uh, on their website on how to report this sort of uh, vulnerabilities. Um, and that, of course, makes sure that um, you, you don't pub accidentally sort of publicly disclose this information on the public bug tracker, for example. So we contacted the, 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 uh, the Spring developers um, who confirmed the finding uh, very, very quickly with us. And um, it's, it's actually, uh, we, we find that different projects and different companies, so different open source projects and different uh, companies respond to such reports in, in very different ways. Um, some respond within minutes or hours um, and are immediately onto it. Um, and sometimes um, projects just don't seem to be um, that interested anymore. For example, because it's an open source project that was once very popular, but um, is, is no longer popular. Um, and, and that sort of uh, changes the way we, we, we deal with, with a disclosure. 
if a company like Pivotal in this case is very responsive, we tend to take to let them take the lead in the disclosure. Um, for them to set the timeline for it and for them to make sure that uh, that their users are informed and sometimes we have to let take the lead a little bit more uh, ourselves but brian when uh, baz describes it like that one of the things that i think your research has found too that is that the mean time to repair in general is surprisingly long are you surprised at what you're hearing him say here no, um, no. I mean, uh, we frequently get um, disclosures as they're describing, and sometimes people don't even bother to check the wedding and just send public emails, uh, which of course never makes us happy. But um, yeah, I mean, the process when we receive them is very much like like he's saying. But I, what I'm interested in is um, there was quite a long delay between when the original CVE was published, I think it was like uh, at the end of September, right? And then the blog post just the other day, I'd be interested to hear how how that went and why there was such a gap between the two. Because um, in some of the recent ones we've done, uh, you know, the company that found it published their exploit like the same day that we released the CVE, which I wasn't exactly excited about um, because we were careful in the CVE not to tell people how to exploit it. We wanted people to have time to update before they potentially got attacked. So um, on one hand, I think you know what you guys did waiting uh, was much better than what my last experience was. But uh, I'm curious how it was uh, such a long period of time how that came about and if that was if that's a typical time delay for you guys. Um, no, it's 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 not at all uh, typical uh, to have such a, a long delay. But in this case, the uh, the pivotal team um, asked us to to do this, and uh, we we agreed to to wait with with the uh, more detailed publication of what what had had happened. Um, it was actually a, an, an unusual um, situation from the very start, because when uh, when we first contacted pivotal about this. Um, they were on it immediately, but, um, and, and I think within a very short time, I think about a week, um, they uh, published a fix and published a CVE about it. Um, now, as soon as we saw that patch, Mo um, slightly refined his query and very quickly found uh, more results. So they had, um, <clears throat> They 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 fixed the particular um, sort of line of code that we pointed them at, but unfortunately there were some other um, holes still still there to be fixed. So that's then a very interesting situation where a company or an organisation push, pushes out a CVE and goes uh, public, but then realises that the fix they've published wasn't wasn't complete. Now unfortunately that that happened twice. Um, over with this particular vulnerability, uh, where Mo contacted them and said, "Hold on, the fix you've published is not not complete. Here is uh, an exploit for uh, that that still makes that same remote remote code execution vulnerability uh, happen, um, and that happened twice. So eventually, it was patched in November, even though the CVE was assigned, I believe, in September." 
as you are finding, we see here that you've got uh, 20 CVEs in the last six months. That means you've had to call 20 companies and say, hey, you've got a problem with your software. What's the usual response? Uh, as far as mentioned, it, it varies. Uh, so for bigger and, um, for example, uh, uh, for bigger organizations, they tend to have a more structure and have a security response team. And then you usually uh, get, a, um, get an immediate response from, from people. Um, and also, um, you'll be able to follow the progress a, a bit better. Um, but there are also smaller uh, projects and uh, uh, some open source projects that uh, might not um, be too aware of uh, security issues and doesn't have a security contact. And sometimes it can be quite difficult even to find a person to contact with. And in some cases, it's, um, uh, they might even suggest you to uh, open a uh, public GitHub ticket with the, um, with the issues. Uh, and so sometimes uh, the process is not always that straightforward. You guys have a very specific process for responsible disclosure. I know you wanted to talk about that a bit. Where should we start? Well, it's, um, it, so we, we decided to, to publish a disclosure public, uh, a policy publicly on our website, which is a, quite a common thing to do for security teams, uh, just to make it very clear how we would like to act in such situations. And in general, responsible disclosure is, is a very difficult uh, balance to strike. Um, sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes other projects take 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 the lead in it, and do the right thing. And sometimes projects are are unresponsive, um, and the mean time to repair is is very long. Now, in such situations where it takes takes a long time to for a project to actually um, um, get their act together, you uh, the users of that project. Um, run an increased risk. More and more people will become aware of the vulnerability. There's more time for, um, for people with, uh, with less good intentions to also find the vulnerability. So you have to strike that balance. When do you actually um, decide to go public, um, even if there's no patch available? And that's, that's a very difficult thing. We work with the community all the time. We like to um, we see ourselves as part of the, the open source community, um, but at the same time, um, sometimes you have to take difficult decisions that um, could possibly upset people. Brian, you and I have, have talked in the past about this too, and it brings up uh, the question of what is a reasonable length of time? If we're developing some kind of implicit standard, what's your thoughts on time of finding this vulnerability to the time of the disclosure to the public? I don't think there is a single good answer. I think it's reasonable for companies um, to institute a non-response time delay, you know, so if they reach out and they're ignored, um, you know, they, they will take the next step and have that well-defined. But if the company is working with them, as I said, was the case here, um, you know, I, I don't think there needs to be a specific 
timeline, it's really a judgment of are they working in good faith to fix this? Uh, you know, in a, in the recent example that we went through, we had a couple of reports come in that were similar um, but distinct. And as the team started digging through them, we found more issues and um, including across major version boundaries. And so, you know, while it was quick for us to fix an individual report, we wanted to make sure that we did as good a job as possible across all of them, knowing that when there's one disclosure, it attracts attention and other people, bad guys specifically, will be looking in those areas for related issues, just like we did on our own code. And so, you know, that that to do that right can sometimes take longer than you would like, but I think the risk to the users is reduced in that case versus just, you know, announcing one vulnerability and 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 then trying to fix the others, you know, try to try to work through them all and, and do one release at one time. And I think depending on what the actual um, you know, in our case we have a product, right? Uh, Nexus open source used on 150,000 uh, instances out there. And so in our case, one of the things that we're always interested in doing is trying to notify uh, known public instances of the software, um, you know, uh, a little bit ahead of the disclosure. We don't tell them what it is. We just say, hey, there's something coming. We want you to upgrade to this version. And here's the here's the deadline you need to you know, you need to be upgraded by Friday or whatever it is so that we can try to reduce the, you know, the publicly exploitable instances out there. And so that also takes extra time, but can only happen after the release actually happens, right? The, the release of the software, not the release of the, the disclosure. So I think, you know, it, it really comes down to the nuances of the particular vulnerability, how widespread it is, what the usage profile of the, the applications that contain it are. Um, in a case where you're reporting something against a component like struts or spring, which are literally in everything, you know, you you don't have as easy uh, process as we do for reaching out to the end users. So, you know, all of those things, I think, have to factor into the ultimate process and 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 uh, what any timeframes need to be. Yeah, I completely agree there with 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 Brian. Um, informing the end users when possible is something we we try to do. But again, it, it, it comes at a risk as well if you if you um, disclose too much information to them um, and people start digging. The wrong people start digging before you've uh, released the details. Uh, then you potentially create uh, a, a situation that's 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 potentially worse, and that's almost. Um, a little bit what happened with um, the uh, the Spectre and Meltdown vulnerabilities, where the affected user base was so incredibly large um, that it was impossible to actually keep it quiet um, until the date that was 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 agreed between the vendors. So people started digging and people started to find things out. And not all companies and, and open source projects are quite familiar with with how how risky um, how, how how much risk is involved so for example um, we, we've seen examples where, where where open source projects who we've alerted to a vulnerability then um, commit a patch to to their github repository uh, with more or less details in it on, on what is going on 
and especially the high-profile projects, they will be monitored and people will try to find out whether uh, a commit is actually trying to cover up a, a vulnerability. It's interesting, Baz, too, that when Brian uses the word non-response delay, what is your guy's policy if you don't get a response? How do you handle that? There's been some public flame wars on this kind of thing where you know, major companies will come out and just berate the, the researchers that found this because they announced it 30 days after they told the company. What, how do you handle that? So we are in a very um, lucky position not to have actually uh, had to do that. We've had a few instances where we almost sort of pulled the trigger on it, um, where a, a project team, an open source project, simply wasn't responding uh, or wasn't uh, wasn't interested in, in 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 fixing a particular vulnerability, um, but luckily in in those situations where we almost had to pull the trigger, um, we always found someone else in such an organisation uh, in the right position who did care, and then just basically um, hit the table with his fist and forced people into action. Um, but I'm, I'm sure this um, we'll, we'll have to deal with that situation soon. And in that case, um, you have to very carefully manage that disclosure um, because there won't be a patch. Um, or we um, we should um, consider developing the patch ourselves. But that's that's in many cases very very difficult if you don't um, if you're not very familiar with the with the project you're looking at. Uh, I guess I'm I'm curious when you were you um, when you found the vulnerability, you know, were were you specifically looking for stuff in Spring? Was it part of um, a, a contract by a customer to go analyze stuff, or or were you just sort of um, you know testing out the query language to see what it might find? Um, for Spring, is um, it? It was uh, main. It, it was just for testing the, the language. It was um, <clears throat> Spring itself is a very interesting uh, set of project. You, you do this kind of analysis. They are there. There are quite a lot of projects. They are high profile project and have a good reputation, and they are all also very interrelated to each other. So I. I decided to choose Spring to um, uh, to do this investigation, and also um, the other reason is that Spring has its own um, expression language uh, called the Spring Expression Language, which is what feature in this uh, vulnerability. So, if I could just add to that, um, we we constantly look at uh, at. Uh, large numbers of open source projects um, and in this particular situation uh, we were interested in in these expression languages and we found uh, another one in spring so decided to to investigate that there um, we we rarely do these uh, things as part of uh, or we rarely do these public disclosures as part of a, of a contract um, it's a security team that works with the open source community to, to, to find uh, interesting uh, vulnerabilities that, that need sorting. 
One of the things that's frustrating to watch for me is you get good teams, like we'll use Apache because I'm so familiar with the Apache projects in general. Teams that really try hard, they keep the patches updated, they notify the public, and yet we find even when there's a major announcement, like a Heartbleed even, or a Struts 2, that over half the people using the framework or the component never patch it. And yet the team that created the component has to take the hit for it. Uh, it seems it seems unfair to me. Um, so, so what do you what do you feel about the the, the fairness of, of, for example, the the Equifax um, backlash? I think in that particular situation, uh, we saw that the Struts team did the right thing. They patched and uh, and disclosed uh, responsibly. Uh, Equifax did the wrong thing by not by not patching uh, their uh, their components, and it's them who took the hit, right? In that case, yes. In that case, yes. Uh, but I completely agree with you. Uh, developers who um, who use open source software to build um, to build applications, um, who then uh, complain about uh, security vulnerabilities in these in these um, components, like in struts. Um, well, it's open source software. Um, feel free to to contribute yourself if you think you can do it better. Is there a standard? Is there an alliance for responsible disclosure, or is each team setting their own policies? Um, as far as I'm aware, most teams set their own policies, and uh, in our case, we did, of course, look at um, how other organizations uh, have, have set up their policy. Um, and it also, um, frankly, depends a bit on the, uh, the caliber of your security organization. Um, if you, for example, consider Google Project Zero, who have a, a very, let's call it strict disclosure uh, policy. Um, they they give give their projects very little time. They can um, they can get away with that because of their size and their and their caliber. Um, so I, I think some some final uh, final comments on on the matter. Um, I, th I think everyone would agree that um, the, the, the security um, space is, is, is basically an ongoing arms race, right, between, between the good guys and the bad guys. Um, in, in our case, um, we try to, pr to provide the, um, the, the tools uh, for, for, for open source projects to, to, um, to find the vulnerabilities in, in, their, own, in their own code base. Um, to make sure that the the good guys have these these tools at their um, at their dis disposal, um, and we see that organisations take it more and more seriously, which I think is is absolutely right. We see also that lawmakers are taking this more and more seriously with with new laws and the matter being introduced both in the states and in Europe. Um, so it's it's an incredibly exciting space. Um, sometimes a little bit of a 
the scariest place. Brian, any final thoughts from you? No, I think, um, oh yeah, just one. I, I, I guess it's good for people to get an understanding of the uh, how the responsible disclosure should work in an ideal situation. I think it's important to understand what it, what um, the other side of the table, you know, when the company is receiving one and when they're doing the right things, uh, what that process ought to look like. Uh, in my experience, there's just so many people out there who just don't have any any clue about how to approach this right or any clue about what actually needs to happen on the back end, um, you know, like the process I was describing before. So, you know, getting this word out there, I think, is is really key because the more people that understand, the better it will be, the better we can work together for the ultimate end users to uh, keep them as safe as possible. These things will continue to happen. Um, you know, and I always tell my team, it's important how you respond. You can't prevent them, but you can you can really mess up a response or you can do it the right way. So let's make sure we, you know, get our ducks in a row and do it the right way. Absolutely. I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. And actually, I mean, following your question, uh, uh, Mark, and, and, and then Brian's, Brian's answer, maybe it is a good idea to, to set up a, um, I don't know, a, a, a team of, of people or, or, or different uh, a collection of, of, of companies an initiative to to inform people uh, on on responsible disclosure and like like Brian said to 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 explain to people what is involved what is happening on the other side and why is it so important to do this responsibly um, yeah I, I think there's a lot lot more discussion to be to be had there and yeah I look forward to that. Mark, I'd say anybody that's interested in more information on this, I think uh, if we could provide the link to the recording we did with Mark from uh, Apache, you know, because Apache has a pretty well-documented, smooth-running process for these things. And so, you know, it gives another take on how that can work in an ideal scenario. You have been listening to OWASP 24-7 with your host, Mark Miller and music provided by the George Cole Quintet. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide.